on this week's episode of Idiot Problems Sports Anyone, brought to you by the OhioSportsBlog.com. We have Mike from at Woke Up Winning back with us, giving us five winners in the NCAA and the NFL. Mike was seven and three last week. Uh, take his picks to the bank. This man is on it. Uh, the Buckeyes are off this week, so Charles and I break down the Brownies, some trade rumors. Uh, everything Browns going to the Steelers this week. Big game this week for the Brownies. Let's go. Any problems with Sports A1 podcast is brought to you by NCSD Apparel. They can be found on Twitter at NCSD underscore apparel. They were established this year in 2018. They make t-shirts from the 330. Represent Northeast Ohio everywhere you go. With shirts from NC Sports Design. You can shop now at ncsportsdesign.com. They have a promo code NCSD new at checkout. Get 20% off your purchase for any new followers. That's NCSD new at checkout to get 20% off your purchase if you're a new follower. They have a great new shirt. Go to their Twitter site right now. They have a shirt, they have a Muni Light shirt. I'm ordering this thing, getting 20% off right when we're done, by entering the code N-C-S-D-N-E-W at checkout. All right, Charles, the Buckeyes are off this week, this weekend, um, as they prepare for Nebraska next weekend. But we have a big one in the NFL with our Brownies. Traveling to the Steelers and a rematch from opening week when they tied. Um, it's it's a huge game. Uh, the Brownies coming off a disappointing overtime loss last week. Uh, this is a division game where they're this is the measuring stick, if you will, for how far they've come because they were the laughing stock of the division. They have their first division win and since 2015 against the Ravens. They tied the Steelers earlier in the year. They haven't played the Bengals yet, so we don't know about that. But this is another measuring stick of how far the Brownies have come from their 1-31 in 31 days. Yeah, you know, it's definitely a tough loss last week. Um, obviously, the NFL screw, screwed us over with um, some bad penalty calls again. Uh, but uh, we got to move past that, you know. Um, I could see this game definitely being a, a revenge narrative for uh, Todd Haley. You know, Ben Roethlisberger basically chased him out of town, you know, um, but right now, you know, with the with the trouble that we're having defense um, with uh, our our, dis- our team discipline, you know, I just I can't see us winning this game. Um, the Steelers finally seem like they have their feet under them. Um, the one upside is is there's going to be no Lev Bell again this week, um, as he has not reported. Um, but James Conner has been really good this year, and he uh, went for 133 yards and two touchdowns against us last week, or I mean in week one. Yeah, it's it's our first. Um, road. It feels like we have a whole new team from what we were to the last two years. So it'd be like our first division road game um, going to Pittsburgh. So this would be the first true interdivision test uh, with Baker at, at the helm, Jarvis Landry, Denzel Ward, Desmond Harrison, Miles Garrett. It's you know it's the first true. It'd be the first road division test. So going there, we're 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 trying to measure ourselves because. Pittsburgh is obviously the measuring stick of the AFC North. And like you mentioned, Todd Haley going back after he got run out of there last year um, into going back into Pittsburgh, trying to prove prove a point 
uh, with the young guns he has with Baker and Landry and Njoku and Nick Chubb and all the other guys. So this is a big this is a big game. If not for and I'm with you, I don't think we'll win, but it's a big game just to see how we go in there and react and how we play in our true rival game on the road. Yeah, and I gotta tell you, if if we lose, like we're both saying that we do, you know, I don't think Hugh makes it out of makes it out of this game as a head coach. You know, um, I think that's something all Browns fans want. I mean, we were pretty close to it last week. I'm surprised that he's still there. Um, that being said, you know, he he's. I think this team. I I, I definitely think this is going to be a competitive game. I mean, it was definitely really competitive. They've been competitive with the exception of the Chargers game all season. Um. This is a division rival. Um, they're they're the Browns' rival. Um, the Browns are on the up and up, you know. And I think I think the Browns are going to play pissed off in this game. On honestly, just with the way they've been getting hosed on so many calls, you know. I don't know if you've seen Charlie, but um, the ref that uh, missed that blatant false start call that led to a touchdown in the Chargers game got fired this week. I did see that Hugo. I don't even remember his last name, but. Um... Yeah, he, well, he deserved to be fired. He missed it. He was staring right at a false start to cost him the touchdown against the Chargers, and completely changed that game. But that's another story for another time. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm this. I'm not as interesting as if we win or not. I definitely would like to win. Don't think we will. I think we're still too young to go in and win a game like that against future Hall of Famers like Ben Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown. But I would like to see us go in there and compete. You know, be in the game. Uh, you know, in the fourth quarter, make. Make the Steelers beat us rather than us going in there and handing the Steelers the game and getting beat like we did against the Chargers. I think we've moved past that. Um, you know, I think even I think I think Hugh Jackson is going to make it to the bye week. I think when he made it out of the last week with some of the stuff that went on during the game, I think Dorsey's going to let him get to the bye week to make it an easier transition, and that'll still get Todd Haley five weeks to go until the end of the year. So. I think he makes it out whether we win or lose, but you know this is a this is a big measuring stick of how we're going to play on the road against a pretty good team in our division measuring stick. Yeah, you know it's definitely a big measuring stick because I'm what I'm gonna because like, like we've been saying you know we don't expect them to win. Um, I, what I'm gonna look for in this game is if we if we've made improvements from the previous weeks. You know we played so undisciplined. I want to see this team play a disciplined complete football game you know it just, it just seems like we haven't done that um this entire year we haven't played discipline the entire game and we haven't played a complete football game the entire game so I'll, i'm i'm looking to see if this um offense can get rolling and i think um i think the offense will get rolling you know that it looked really good last week in the second half against tampa bay i mean their defense is atrocious you know but it seems like um with uh carlos hyde now traded to jacksonville you know nick chubb um, has definitely has control of this run game. Um, and Duke is still peppered. And I would like to see him get Duke more involved in this game, that being said. Yeah, Duke, Duke had some touches left. They seemed to force the ball to Jarvis Landry last year. Last week he had 15 targets for 10 catches. Uh, Joku had a bunch of catches. Nick Chubb had 18 carries for 80 yards, a little over four yards a carry. But like you said, the thing that's killing us offensively and defensively is penalties. We've had three games with double-digit penalties, one of them being week one against the Steelers. They had 11 penalties for 87 yards. Um, that's just – it just can't happen. I'm, and that's got to be something that's got to be cleaned up. Last week we had 14 penalties. That was – last week was the worst pe- worst week. We had 14 penalties, 114 yards. 
Um, that's just something that's got to get cleaned up. And they were all um, – last week they were all offensively and defensively. We had six on offense, eight on defense. The first week against the Steelers, we did have three on special teams, three on defense and five on offense. So we spread it out a little more, I guess. But those penalties are going to add up. 114 yards is 10 first downs. If you look at or 11 first downs actually, if you count it up, um, so that's that's a lot of penalty yards. It's, it's an entire football field. Um, that's just a lot of yards that we are giving the opponent for free, and we can't afford to give them that many yards. Yeah, when you're a young team like Cleveland is, you know, you can't afford to give up that many penalty yards and expect to win a ball game. You know, that's 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 definitely got to be corrected. You know. Um, there's uh, I'm, I'm looking to see if the O line can get it together. You know the le- the middle of the line has been really good this year. You know it's the tackles that have been kind of questionable. You know, but I kind of see it with um with uh, uh the left tackle Damon Harrison is his name I believe. Um, you know he's a undrafted rookie. You know, so I you know I can see some growing pains with him. But Chris Hubbard has been absolutely terrible on the right side. Um, I would like to see a change there, but I don't know if there's a change that we could make at that point that would uh, make it any better, you know. Um, on top of all the penalties, too, I would like to – like I was just saying with the blocking, I would like to see Baker throw with a cleaner pocket, you know. Um, a lot of times he's been um, – when he stepped up in the pocket, you know, um, it's he, it's been so um, small in there, you know. He hasn't been able to get out of there, you know. It's just completely collapsed on him. So um, I'd like to see him um, – pass with a cleaner pocket and and get the ball out of his hand quicker because I think you and I have both been saying that for the past few weeks that Todd Haley needs to uh, run this offense like it's a college spread offense and get the ball out of his hands quick because Baker's not a drop back five step seven step quarterback um, pocket passer no I 100% agree with that we like you said we've been saying that for a month now and you know you get the ball out quick to where a guy like a Duke Johnson a guy like Jarvis Landry a uh, guy like Antonio Callaway can catch it and make yards after the catch. Um, that's their strength. That's their strength. Their strength isn't running, you know, them doing seven-step drop, them running routes and catching the ball and falling down. Their strength is catching it one-on-one in the flat or in the, you know, with space to move, making a move and getting yards after the catch. And uh, Callaway's strength is that and also going deep and catching a deep ball and uh, blowing the top off the defense. So, you know, look to see what – I'm with you. Look to see what improvements the Browns are making going forward. And the the Browns coaches at this point have to coach at a at a fever pace to where John Dor- – they have to prove to John Dorsey that they can't get rid of him. Right now, I think that – I mean, everybody in Cleveland is – you know, would, if they fired Hugh Jackson tomorrow, nobody would blink an eye. Um, they need to do things going forward that two Baker strengths – two Callaway strengths, two Landry strengths. And I liked them targeting Landry 15 times last week for 10 catches. That was nice. Um, got a touchdown and targeted Joku a bunch. And they didn't get Callaway five to six targets, you know, out in the flat, quick quick balls out there where he can catch it and go, deep balls where he's going to catch a 50-yarder um, for a touchdown, things like that. Play to their strengths rather than, um, you know, rather than making them – trying to make them fit in the – the offensive scheme rather than making the scheme fit to the players. I did enjoy seeing Chubb get 18 carries. I thought that was great. Um, instead of him splitting those 18 with Carlos Hyde. So, you know, that's, that'll get him into a rhythm. Um, Chubb is just so much more explosive to the hole. 
explosive through the line rather than Hyde was. It's, it's making a huge difference. That will help the line going forward as far as, um, you know, run blocking and making holes. And also, if they went to a quicker passing game, um, it would help the pass protection because the ball's out. The ball's out quick. They don't have to block guys like T.J. Watt, um, you know, these elite pass rushers on the, on the edge for that long because the ball's already out for the receiver going down the field. So they don't have to block him for, you know, three to four seconds. They're only blocking for a second or two, and then the ball's gone. And the ball's completed, and we're moving down the field. So I think all those things will help the Brownies um, become a more efficient offense and explosive offense rather than the methodical plotting offense that they've been the first six weeks. Yeah, um, like you were saying, too, um, they were basically force-feeding Jarvis Landry the ball, you know. And I think that speaks to the lack of playmakers that we have in the receiver room right now. I think the focus of the passing offense needs to be Jarvis Landry, and it needs to be in Joku as well. Because um, if, if I was reading something correctly, I remember um, since Baker Mayfield has been inserted as a starting quarterback, um, David Njoku has either been the most targeted or the third third most targeted tight end in the league since Baker Mayfield ha- has been inserted as a starting quarterback. Um, I think those two definitely need to um, be uh, be targeted heavily, you know, because David Njoku, he's a, um, he's a matchup nightmare. Um, and you can see that he has a great rapport with Baker. Um, he seems to be putting it together finally with Baker at quarterback. Um, and, you know, and Jarvis, Jarvis is Jarvis Landry, you know. Um, he's great. He has great hands, you know. He's finally showing that, you know, with that t- that great touchdown. He had a couple great catches last week against Tampa Bay that I was just amazed with, you know. It, it, and I shouldn't be amazed with because, you know, I should that should just be something that we expected Jarvis Landry. But you know, with the way that receivers have been dropping passes, it was still kind of amazing to see. Um, that being said, you know, I, I definitely I definitely agree with you. You know, Callaway should get like five or six targets a game you know, and we should be trying to get him over to the top because of his speed. Um, Love seeing Chubb um, get 18 carries last week. Um, you know, it just um, – it just uh, – it makes the trade of Carl's Hyde look really good, you know. Um, I was I was definitely um, thinking of that trade from positive, whereas most Cleveland fans were hating on that trade. I saw it as a very much positive because, like you said, Nick Chubb is more – is just more explosive through the hole, you know. Um, he's faster. I think he's even more powerful than Carlos Hyde, to, honest to God. Um, so, you know, the offense definitely seems to be uh, moving better, um, and we got on a roll in the second half, and let's hope that they get on a roll early on in the Steelers game. And hopefully um, we play well, and maybe we might come out with a win. I don't think we will, but I'm hope at least I, I still I still got to root for a win just because they are the Browns. Yeah, and one thing on the Carlos Hyde, Nick Chubb thing, the Browns traded for Carlos Hyde and then drafted Nick Chubb. I think they thought Chubb would could learn from Hyde, but Hyde's 28 years old, and that's a lot of banging for a running back in the NFL, especially one who came from the 49ers, which were a you know a I formation slamming the running back in their old old school NFL um, offense, and he came from Ohio State, which is also a an old school, you know, you know, running the ball in there. Um, you know, so he's got a lot of wear and tear on his body. And so Chubb's 22, 23 years old. And that's a lot, five years, is a lot of time in the NFL, which he's going to be a lot more explosive, a lot more, um, you know, quicker. His body doesn't have as much wear and tear on it. So 
I think the, the Browns saw something in Chubb. They thought Hyde could bring him along in a little, a little bit, and I think he did. Showed him how to be a pro, and now Chubb is just taking it over and run with it. And they, they did the best thing for Carlos Hyde, who's going to get carries down in Jacksonville. So, you know, good for Carlos Hyde. He's probably going to make it to the playoffs with the, with the Jaguars. So, good for him, and he helped us out. And he was never a problem at Cleveland, sharing carries with Hyde or with Chubb. And now this is Chubb's position to own and take forward into the future. Yeah, it's definitely um, – it's Chubb. The running back position is definitely Chubbs. You know, um, Duke is still, you know, Duke is still Duke. You know, he's our third down back. You know, he's our guy that we can stick in the slot. He, he's our he's our Swiss Army knife of this offense. But this is definitely Chubbs' um, backfield, um, and he's definitely looking to own it. That being said, you know, let's get into a conversation that we got into um, over the group chat um, this week. Um, talking about OBJ, you know, um, Giants not doing too well. Um, maybe looking to offload a few guys. I mean, they've already offloaded Damon Snacks Harrison, as we said earlier on with Mike um, from the lines, you know, they may be shopping um, OBJ, you know. Um, I was a proponent. I think that would be a great move. I think they should do whatever it takes as long as it's not two first-round picks. You, on the other hand, were of the opposite and said only give a second, you know. But tell tell me – tell us about that. Yeah, I'm not a fan of that trade. Just looking at what receivers are getting – if Amari Cooper's going to garner a first-round pick from uh, the Cowboys, uh, the, the price of OBJ the Giants are probably going to ask for is going to be uh, ridiculous. Plus, you have to take on his contract or sign him to a long-term contract. So that's another thing, unless you're just going to rent him for the rest of the year. I don't know why the Browns would do that. Um, so that's my thing. Like if it's not, if it, if we can get it, we can give up a second round and a third. I'd give up a second and a third round pick maybe for him because he is an elite receiver. There's no doubt about it. Um, but to give up a, uh, a first rounder for a receiver just to me doesn't make any sense, especially when you're in, you're in a, a critical position right now where Baker Mayfield looks like he's the guy at quarterback. So you don't have to worry about that for five years. But if he is the guy, which everybody thinks he is, then in five years we're going to have to pay him $100 million, which you're not going to be able to afford to build the same team around him to make the runs to the playoffs, to make the runs to the Super Bowl that we could in his first five years. Um, that's just the way the NFL is working now because of the contract size and the salary cap. So – yeah, that's that's my point on, on OBJ. I mean, he's a great player. There's no doubt about it. But receivers don't win new championships, and paying him what they have to pay him, and then in five years, um, we have to build around uh, Baker Mayfield to be able to win a championship. Uh, you know, and, and you said something about um, OBJ actually did sign um, a contract extension with the Giants before the season started. Um, he signed the richest receiver contract. Um, the Browns have $55 million in cap room, and I think that's exactly why you acquire a guy like OBJ because you can fit him in, in under your cap seamlessly, and then you give Baker another weapon, another legit weapon on top of Landry and Njoku because it seems like the receivers have had a problem separating. And I totally agree with you. Receivers definitely do not win championships. But if you give Baker a guy like OBJ, imagine where this offense could be um, – by the end of this year and through next year. I mean, we could be legitimately competing for a Super Bowl by next year. Like OBJ. May not win. 
He may not win us games single-handedly, but he will definitely contribute um, to Baker Mayfield winning some games. You know, I I def I I feel you on that, but I I, I feel like at least giving up one first-round pick would not be t- too much to ask for a guy like Ob for a guy with OBJ's talents. Um, you know, um, his personality is a little bit less to be desired, but I honestly think um, him being best friends with Jarvis Landry as they were teammates um, at LSU. You know, I don't think that would be too much of a problem. Um, and uh, him and Baker are pretty um, have a pretty good relationship. I mean, they were um, talking it up before the season and stuff like that. So, you know, um, I think OBJ is definitely um, a risk worth taking just in that respect because we have the cap space. Um, he is supremely talented. Uh, no doubt he would help. It's um, just the price and he would help this offense. To get him. Am I willing to give up a first next year? Absolutely not. Um, it's going to be a mid-round – it's going to be a middle uh, first-round pick, uh, which is a guy we could get, maybe a D lineman, maybe no lineman, maybe uh, another secondary guy, maybe another linebacker. But um, these those are places where you can get guys that can help you win championships. OBJ coming in next year, assuming we're going to have a second-year quarterback, we're going to have a young first-time head coach I mean, I just don't know that you throw all that in and then throw his personality on top of it because he's going to want to demand the ball. I mean, there's no doubt he is a supremely talented individual, but I, I don't know what the Giants would take for him. I would assume they're going to demand at least a first-rounder because if Mari Cooper can get a first-rounder, then the Giants got to be thinking, well, Odell Beckham is worth at least one first-rounder, if not a second first-rounder. So um, the my thing is not getting him. I mean, I think getting him would definitely help us. My thing is, what are we going to pay to get him? And I'm not willing to give up a King's Ransom for him when he doesn't move the needle that that far, in my opinion, as far as to a championship caliber team. Yeah, you know, um, I, I, I agree with you a little bit there. You know, he definitely doesn't – you don't want to give up um, – you don't want to mortgage the farm – um, to uh, get a guy like OBJ, you know, um, like you said, if Mari Cooper can get a first round pick from from the Cowboys, then obviously OBJ should be able to get more. Um, I know, and it, it, honestly, at this point, it's just hearsay until we see it happen. You know, it, it, it it's not going to happen. So, um, realistically, I don't. I honestly, I don't see the Browns doing it, but I would not be surprised one bit if they did, just because um, John Dorsey. I don't think he values. Um, draft picks like Sashi Brown did, but he does value draft picks in a way because he's a great talent evaluator. Um, but I definitely don't think John Dorsey would give up multiple first round picks for a player like OBJ. That being said, you know, I've heard some rumors about Devontae Parker from Miami um, being available. You know, that's somebody I could see being added to the team. That's somebody but that I'm also against being added. Um, I just think that he's um, – Hasn't done anything in the league. He was bad mouth in Cleveland beforehand, um, before he even came into the league. You know, I just he he hasn't lived up to the first round hype. Um, yeah, it's, and that's be one guy I just receiver. can't get behind. Um, they could probably the get away adding. with you know trading away or you know trading a third rounder or a third round pick or a fourth round pick for him. So that's a guy I could I could see them getting as just a veteran presence. Um, probably he played with um, Jarvis Landry before, so. Um, you know, that that would be a relationship that they have. You know, he's never played. He's played with Ryan Tannehill his whole career. So, 
Uh, coming to an offense run by Baker Mayfield would be a huge uh, improvement for him. So I could see them, you know, training for a former first-rounder. I mean, we've seen, for crying out loud, we've seen Corey Coleman get traded and cut and traded and cut and everything else five times this year because he was a first-round pick. So um, I could get behind I could get behind a signing of Devontae Parker just because it's not going to uh, cost it's going to be cost effective. Um, give away a late round pick. If they take a late round pick for him, I wouldn't, you know, I definitely have my price for him and then, you know, go from there. But there's also, there's other receivers. Demarius Thomas seems to be on the, uh, the rumor mill, the trade market. So there's a lot of receivers. I, I think that if we it came down to it, if we needed one to get one to make a run at the playoffs, um, I think that there's a lot of guys out there we could John Dorsey could get. Yeah, definitely. Um, there's uh, Terrell Pryor's out there right now. Um, that's another guy I could see us adding. Um, and I would I wouldn't be against that. You know, he did great for us a couple of years ago. Granted, we didn't win any games. Cause, and then that proves your point from earlier. Well, our receivers don't win you championships because obviously Terrell Pryor had a great season for us and we didn't win any games. So. You know, um, yeah, yeah, I could, I could definitely um, see that. Um, I, I, with my, my, in my eyes, Devontae Parker, I'm not giving up anything more than a fourth or fifth round pick for him. If we have to give him, give them a third round pick, I'm saying that's a no go for me, just because he has not lived up to the hype, even though he is a former first rounder. Um, and I think that's where. Um, I was a little more optimistic with a guy like Brashard Perryman at being a former first-rounder just because of his elite speed. Um, and uh, He doesn't have great hands. Um, so, you know, and maybe a change of scenery would do Devontae Parker good. Um, you know, um, I could definitely see them adding a guy like him or Terrell Pryor. Or, um, I would love to add a Demarius Thomas. That's a guy that I would love for us to add. Just um, He is uh, um, an older veteran but i think he would be great for baker mayfield and great for jarvis yeah some of these young receivers like higgins guy and that I would target wide receiver wise would be demarius thomas um i'm just i'm not a big fan of receivers i think receivers are a dime a dozen um and you know i'm not big on giving a lot for any receiver i feel like you can get a middle middle round receiver and be just as good as anybody you can get so that you could trade for and the younger younger receivers are usually faster they don't have all the wear and tear on their body. But, um, I mean, we. that being said, the Browns obviously need – we've been through four or five receivers now that have been in the game, been out of the game, you know, been hurt. Shard Higgins looked like he was on the upswing, and he got hurt. Uh, Willie's uh, made one catch, and he got hurt. Rod Streeter basically hurt his neck, might be out done for his, for his life, may never play again. Um, we've been through some receivers this year that, and, you know, so I could see us going out and maybe getting one, although I don't know if they do just based on the fact that we're two, four and one right now. And I mean, our prospects for making a playoff run don't look very good. So let's develop these young guys and with what we got and then build through the draft in the coming years. Yeah, um, a receiver is definitely not going to move the needle much right now. Um, I can definitely see us not – I can also see us not adding anybody. 
Um, I think we have to add somebody. I think if we don't add somebody, Browns fans are going to go crazy. I think I'm going to go crazy if we don't add somebody. You know, with a guy like Terrell Pryor out there, I think we should add somebody with um, the troubles that we have with guys getting open. But I could see it where, like you said, um, we don't add anybody and we let these young guys develop. Um, And to this point, you know, John Dorsey hasn't really shown that he's going to be adding somebody of uh, significance right now because – the only signings I've seen is guys off of practice squads or other people off the practice squad or off of other people's practice squads, stuff like that. So, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, um, it's hit or miss what a GM's going to do in the NFL. You know, at this point you just got to stay yeah, tuned and you got to hope that, that um, the um, Browns make improvements from here. I, I just don't know what, what they can do, what their, what their thinking is. Um, I know that they're probably thinking, you know, let's get that, let's get a new head coach in here next year see what we're going to do in the draft, what our offensive scheme is going to look like and go from there. But they got, a, they got a lot of young, they got some young good receivers that I really liked. I really liked what Higgins showed in the preseason and early in the season. I really like Duke. I really like Jarvis Landry. Uh, I think Callaway is going to help us once he finds a role, gets a role and gets confidence in himself. Um, we forget sometimes that these guys are still rookies and they're playing a man's game now. So, they're not, you know, they're not, maybe they're not as good as we think they can be. They show flashes, but that's what you're going to get with first and second year players is you're going to get some flashes, but you're also going to get a lot of the, a lot of the other stuff too. So I like developing these guys, you know, don't take any balls away from Callaway. Don't take any balls away from Landry or Njoku and let's just develop what we have and going forward. And then next year, maybe in the off season, we can make a couple moves like we did this year. Yeah, and you know what? Njoku seems to be benefiting from the influx of um, targets, you know, since Baker Mayfield has been inserted at quarterback. Um, And, you know, I agree with you. I think if we don't stick with a guy like Antonio Callaway, I think that could screw with his confidence um, and it could hurt him in the long run. So um, I definitely, you know, I don't don't think messing with it – Messing with what what uh, what we have right now is not the smartest thing to do, unless it's a guy maybe like Devontae Parker. Even if I am against it, you know, um, it, it's still adding somebody at this point, um, somebody who probably wouldn't take away from Antonio Callaway's targets. Um, um, we got to let him develop, and you know, and and that's what people forget is, um, like you were saying, you know, people get mad about at these rookies, you know, but you got to remember these guys are rookies. They're you know they're playing like you said a man's game. Um, so this is the first time in the league, you know, playing guys that are just as fast as them, just as big as them, you know, it, it's different. So, you know, you got to expect these growing pains with the, with these guys. Yeah, Antonio Callaway's not ready right now, but, you know, he's going to benefit from these in the long run because he's he definitely has talent. Um, and we could uh, if, if even if we don't see marked improvement this year, we, we, we could see. Um, I, I would just like to see gradual improvement yeah, this I year and then see the market Callaway, improvement um, the Give him some game season. reps this year and then see that improvement over the offseason where he gets a full offseason where he's concentrating on nothing but Brown's scheme, you know, playing with throwing the ball with Baker, uh, you know, getting hints and getting techniques from Jarvis Landry, you know, talking to guys that are pros. This is the first time these guys have ever – only thing they had to concentrate on was football and – it, over their first year, you know, it's it's fast. The game's fast. The season's long. Um, 
and then the off season they'll, they'll have a season where they they're going to hit the wall eventually somewhere during the season, probably around game 12, 13, 14. But then come the off season, they have a full off season of nothing but getting ready for the season and engrossing themselves and working out and getting ready for the next season. So I think next year you're going to see marketed improvement from a guy like Callaway, even in Joku and Baker Mayfield going into the next season, depending and you know, for the new coach, whoever that happens to be. Yeah, uh, I definitely agree with that. Um, I think um, at this point, you know, um, we're going to start see- – I think we're going to start seeing some real improvement from Callaway. I mean, he looked pretty good last game. Um, I don't think he caught a whole lot of balls. Um, he wasn't targeted a whole lot. But um, I could definitely see him getting better. You know, he had that early um, game where he had a really uh, good effort. You know, I think by, by around like week 12 or week 13 is where we'll really um, – see him getting marked improvement um speaking of later weeks um and other news the uh browns got browns we could i know game against the broncos got flexed flexed to prime time on saturday night how about it. that it's it's a new era of brownies football we got some offensive weapons we we're in games we have chances to win games it's like a whole new uh whole new animal we're dealing with now Yeah, and you know, I was talking to Jeremy from Jeremy Powell from the Orange's Orange podcast, and that was um, when he was on our podcast for a couple times this year. That was the game he was predicting that that would get flexed. He was calling that game, and I messaged him on Twitter as soon as I saw that. I'm like, "Did you see that game?" And he's like, "Of course." He's like, "Yeah, I saw that. That's awesome." Um, and I think that's pretty cool that you know that he could predict. Um, uh, that game being flex, you know, I think that's the NFL's way of making up. Yeah, for give all us the a little prime time love the there. Give us two prime time year. games this year. Uh, the first one being the first one over the Jets on a Thursday night, and then the Texans, uh, or not Texans, but Denver at on uh, that Sunday night. So that'll be it's a good. It's a new era of Browns football. Uh, looking forward to the game this week at Pittsburgh. Don't really expect them to win. Hope they can come out and play pretty well, though, and keep growing week by week. Baker grows week by week. The offense grows week by week. And, uh, you know, see what we can do the rest of the year. We're 2-4-1 right now. Things are looking up. It's the most optimistic 2-4-1 I've ever been a part of. So things are looking up for the Brownies, and the future ahead is bright. All right, we're back. Uh, Mike from at Woke Woke Up Winning is back with us on a Thursday night. Uh, I don't know if you didn't get his picks last week. Um, he is on fire. He was seven and three last week. Went three and two in college and four and one in the pros. Um, it was a great week. We have him back. Uh, Mike has some more picks for us this week. Um, what do you, what picks do you have for us this week, Mike? Yeah, guys. Well, thanks for having me back on. Uh, yeah, a real good week for us last week and hoping to keep it going with some more winners this week so we can dive right into it. Uh, I'll start off with our first pick is a Friday night game, actually, uh, up in Boston in Chestnut Hill. We're going to go with the Boston College Eagles plus three and a half versus Miami. They're getting three and a half points here. They got A.J. Dillon coming back because it's first game since September 29th. Uh, Miami's coming off a road loss versus Virginia where 
the only touchdown in the game with, came with three minutes left. Um, so everybody kind of remembers that Miami-UNC game they had on ESPN on Thursday night a couple weeks back where Miami was tuning them up the whole night. Uh, but UNC is literally the worst team in the ACC. So um, they're not really anything special. I, I just don't think Miami is as good as some people might think. Uh, Boston College here is 10th in the nation in red zone defense. I think they can keep Miami out of the end zone. I think Boston College is going to win this game straight up, but if Vegas is giving you points, they're going to take the points. So three and a half here for BC. Yeah, uh, Miami's really fallen from grace after the year that they had last year under um, Mark Rick's first year um, with them. So, you know, I'm not really surprised to see a line like this. You know, how good has Boston College been this year? Boston College has been back and forth. Uh, They dropped a close one to Purdue. Um, They've had a couple wins in their previous games. They started off real well. Um, but missing A.J. Dillon, who is a Heisman candidate starting off at the beginning of the year, uh, he's missed the last three games. So uh, getting him back is going to be huge. He's a huge part of their offense and obviously their best player. Uh, but I think at home on, on Friday night, uh, they'll be pretty safe getting these points here. And that's been, a, right. house of, that's been a house of horrors of sort uh, going up to Boston College on a Friday night. Some high-ranked high rank teams have gone up there and gotten beat. Um, just from recent memory, Florida State went up there on a Friday night and got beat. Uh, a couple other yep. guys played some close ones up there, if not getting beat. So this is – I like that pick of BC. That, and I think you're right, Miami's a little bit – I don't know if they came into the year overrated because of last year, but they've taken some lumps and they beat up on some teams that just aren't very good, frankly. So BC plus three and a half, like it. Yeah, yeah, and I th- I think that's a testament to uh, BC's head coach Steve Adazio. You know, he's an Urban Meyer disciple, so you know I can see why they're able to beat some of these big teams up in up in their home field too. Yeah, Steve Adazio, the classic uh, classic line, guys being dudes, right? So uh, he'll get BC going. I think people get caught up in Miami and the whole turnover chain, and people like betting on them and whatnot. But uh, we're rolling with the Eagles in this one. All right, with that being said, who's your next pick? Next one, we're going to head over to the Big Ten. We got a couple picks in the Big Ten this weekend. Uh, This one, I think a lot of people, it's a conference game, Penn State and Iowa. Uh, I'm going with Penn State, minus six and a half here. I think a lot of people uh, look at this and they say, you're getting a pretty good Iowa team that's getting a touchdown against a conference opponent. Um, That makes me lean Penn State even more. I think this is maybe a little bit larger line than most people would think it might be. Um, but Penn State at home, really this game is is all about Trace McSorley, their star, right? He's got 1,400 yards through the air, 11 touchdowns. But on his feet, he's got another 550 yards this year uh, and eight touchdowns on the ground. He's getting 78 yards a game rushing. Uh, I really think Penn State can kind of run away here in the second half. I like them a lot. You know, I like that pick, you know, just because I always feel like Iowa does better against the inferior teams um, or when they're an underdog. You know, it's a, it's when you mm-hmm. it's when you least expect them and most expect them to win is when they win. But when they're facing a tough team like Penn State with a, a quarterback like Trace McSorley, they usually don't do too well. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. That's a great point. And Iowa, Iowa will surprise you against some good teams, like you said. Uh, and they're especially good at home as well. They have a great crowd and a great following out there. Uh, But I think at Penn State this weekend, uh, Penn State's going to get them pretty good. Yeah, Kinnick is one of the toughest places to play. Is this a um, a day game or a night game? This is a day game. I believe it's a 3.30 game in Penn State. Okay, so it's in Happy Valley too. All right. Yeah, yeah, it's in Penn State. Yeah, Penn State being 2-2 in the Big Ten, this is one that they're going to need to get. 
uh, as they still have Michigan uh, down the road uh, to play in the Big Ten. So it's one they're going to need to get to keep their Big Ten hopes alive. So Penn State minus six and a half. Who's on the? Who's you said you had two from the Big Ten? Who else we got from the Big Ten? Yeah, yeah, staying in the Big Ten. Another one uh, that's a must-win. Wisconsin. Uh, when I was looking at this game yesterday, it was at six and a half, and then it went down to six at the end of the day. And right before I get the lines are updated, it's at four and a half now for Wisconsin, minus four and a half. Uh, I don't know if I'm missing something here. Uh, I love Wisconsin here. It's a must win for them. Uh, they're getting a couple pieces back on defense. Uh, but in order for them to win the Big Ten West, they're going to have to win this game because Northwestern is ranked above them right now. There's a there. Um, but like we said, this is a must win for Wisconsin. You know, um, that's interesting. Two um, uh, Big Ten West teams that you have in your picks this week. Um, who do you um, do you have a pick for who do you think is going to win the Big Ten West? I think with this pick, I, I think this is where Wisconsin is going to get going. Um, this is the game where they kind of take control of the Big West. Uh, sorry, the Big Ten West, and then they can kind of control their own destiny from here on out. Um, so I, I would I would. I would take Wisconsin if I'm going Big Ten West. You know, it always seems like it's it's them and and everybody else in the Big Ten West. You know, they always seem to be coming out of that um, that's out of that division every year. It's it's obviously the weakest division in the Big Ten. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Purdue's been been good. We saw them last week. Uh, they played a good game last week, but uh, this is one where Wisconsin can take over Northwestern. And what I like about this, of course, uh, Jonathan. Jonathan Taylor, number one in the country in rushing yards per game. He's getting 158 yards a game, six and a half yards a carry. Uh, even Wisconsin's backup, Taiwan, had 110 yards and two touchdowns last week. Um, in Northwestern, I just I just don't think they'll be able to keep up with Wisconsin in this. They're gonna Wisconsin's gonna run the ball. They're gonna run the ball well, and I think they're gonna get up on on Northwestern pretty good here. Northwestern ranks 89th in total offense in the country. I just don't think they'll be able to keep up with the Badgers. You know, and that that's surprising with uh, Clayton Thorson, that quarterback, that they do rank that low um, in the country in offense. You know, um, I know Pat Fitzgerald is a defensive guy, but, you know, when you have a, a an experienced quarterback like that coming back, that's a little surprising that their offense is ranked so low. Yeah, and I, I think, uh, like we said, with the with the dual running backs, they'll just be able to control the game and, and – Pat Fitzgerald's a pretty good coach. Uh, he gets Northwestern to play some competitive games against some real good teams. Um, but I think with the two running backs, you just kind of control the clock, control the game, and they'll just be eating it up in the second half and uh, run up that score a little bit. Yeah, Fitzgerald's a good coach, but I think Chris is a better coach. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think – and another point, my last point on this is I think they're going to – what I'm hoping here is with this spread, they're going to try and run it up a little bit. They're trying to make a message with the Big Ten and, and make sure that they can – uh, take control of it and send a message to the rest of the league. So I really do like Wisconsin here. Again, I thought it was at six. It's now at four and a half. Um, so I really like that game right there. Yeah. And I, I like what you said, you know, I, I, at this point they have to send a message, you know, if they're going to be competitive, you know, at least in, in the, for the rest of the season and um, in the conference title game, because it's likely they're going to get Ohio state or uh, Michigan. Yeah. Yeah, they will be. Um, um, what's your, what's, uh, so what do you got for us next? Where's, what conference are we going to? Yeah. So for the fourth game, we're going to head out to the big 12, uh, out to Stillwater. This is one of the primetime games of the week on ABC, uh, Texas at Oklahoma state, uh, it's up in the air. A lot of people are liking Oklahoma state at home. 
Uh, it's because Sam Ellinger is kind of questionable return, but I'm really liking Texas in this. Uh, right now it's at three and a half. It's been flirting three and a half and three. Uh, I think the line is great value right now because Sam Ellinger is uh, questionable to play. If he does come out and start to start uh, later in the week, I think this line's going to move up to four or five or even higher. Uh, but really, even with his backup quarterback, um, they can get the job done. Uh, again, primetime game. It's going to be a, an intense atmosphere, but Texas is a pretty good team. They've beaten TCU, USC, and Oklahoma this year. Um, so they got a really good squad, and I really like them out here in Stillwater. Yeah, Texas is really on the up and up again. You know, uh, Tom Herman seems like he's um, got that program going where it needs to go year two. Um, you know, um, and they had a great game against Oklahoma. That was probably I, – I think that was one of the best college football games this year to watch. Um, um, you know, and I think it does make a difference if Ellinger is not there. But I do believe the um, backup quarterback competed with him before the season started for the starting job. Yeah, yeah, it's Shane Bouchelle. Uh he, he did pretty well coming in last week. Uh, he had a touchdown as well. But like you said, they had that great game against Oklahoma. And the standout in that Oklahoma game, you can't mention Texas without mentioning uh, little Jordan Humphrey. I love that. One of the best names in college football, not Jordan Humphrey, but little Jordan Humphrey. Uh, but he's a monster uh, as a wide receiver for Texas. I think he has another big game this week. Um, a great stat for this one, Texas time of possession. They're ranked 19th in the country. Oklahoma State is ranked 121st. Uh, there's only 129 teams in the NCAA. So Oklahoma oh State my. right there at the bottom. Um, oh, my God. That's terrible. Terrible. So I think Texas being in the top 20, they'll be able to get up a little bit on Oklahoma State. And it's not like this is the Oklahoma State with uh, Mason Rudolph where they're scoring touchdowns in 14 seconds. Uh, this isn't the same team. So I think Texas will be able to, to handle the game a little bit in the second half and get away from Oklahoma State. Yeah, Mike Gundy always seems to have a transition year after he loses a longtime starter like a Mason Rudolph or a Brandon Whedon or um, I think a Zach Robinson in the past. He usually has a one-year transition period before he really gets Oklahoma State going again. Yeah, and I was, I was looking a little bit deeper into Oklahoma State this year. And, uh, I mean, looking at their games, get this, they've been favorites, favorites to win the games by – eight points by 10 points and by 14 and a half points in three separate games. And they've lost all three of those games straight up. So not only were oh they my God. To cover those large spreads, they lost the game straight up. So they've, they've had a disappointing year. Um, I think this spread is close because it's a night game in Stillwater. Uh, the place is going to be rocking, but Texas is definitely the better team. And I think they get out of here uh, with a, with a good cover. Yeah, and like you said, with those spreads where they lost every year, I think that's a bad omen for this team. I think Texas definitely comes out of this on top. Yeah, yeah. So we can uh, move on to my fifth and final NCAA pick. Night game and another highly ranked team, Notre Dame. Uh, But I'm going with Navy on this one. They're getting 24 points right now. We're getting three possessions for Navy. I know Navy has been great, um, but they play Notre Dame every year. So these guys know each other pretty well. Uh, four of the last five means have been decided by 10 points or less. Uh, and I know Notre Dame's putting up a lot of points this year. Uh, they're ranked third in the country, of course, but they're coming off a bye. Uh, and they had that game right before the bye where they played Pitt, probably a trap game. They, but they were losing that game the whole time and until the very end where they got a touchdown and got out of there with a win and went into their bye. But neutral site game playing out in San Diego. But, of course, uh, I like Navy with their triple option, uh, getting the four possessions here against Notre Dame. 
That oh, that's a big pick right there. Uh, with uh, my man Charlie over here, he's uh, he roots for Notre Dame religiously. Uh-oh. Yeah, he roots for Notre Dame as much as he roots for Ohio State. So, um, if not more, so you know, I don't, uh-huh. I don't think he's gonna like this pick too much. <laughs> I t- I'll tell you what, I, I've been to a lot of Notre Dame Navy games in my lifetime. I I can't take Notre Dame uh, giving twenty four points against the midshipmen either. Um, I mean, Notre Dame's deep offense looks like it's turned a corner. Maybe it's a little more explosive, but you're right with that triple option. Uh, I mean, Navy could hold the ball, and they could each have seven possessions. So, it's – I mean, I, I've seen it happen. So, that's a that's a big number for Notre Dame to cover. If So, I like the pick. I actually like the pick of Navy getting 24. Plus, like they say, you said, the Irish were given 22, I believe it was, a couple weeks ago to Pitt. And they yeah. end up they were losing the game and end up winning nineteen to fourteen. But you know they don't cover a lot of big big time spreads like that. So that's a it's a good pick there. Navy getting given or uh, getting twenty four. Yeah, you know Notre Dame. Uh, typically in the past, they, maybe they haven't had this kind of scoring offense. Obviously, they put up a ton of points in their games this year. They've looked really well. Um, but like we said, Navy with this triple option with that many points that they're getting, I don't think anybody's going to argue. Of course, uh, Notre Dame's a better team for sure. Uh, they're a great team, but Navy's getting 310 yards a game on the ground. They're ranked third in the nation in rushing offense. Uh, and what do you get? You get the clock ticking, right? Uh, Navy's fourth in the nation in time of possession. That just comes with the territory of running that much. So I think with that being said, with, with the clock just constantly ticking, uh, I think this many points, um, Malcolm Perry is that quarterback running back kind of option for Navy. He's doing great on the ground. He's getting five and a half yards of carry. I think they'll just be able to burn the clock enough where Notre Dame will beat them, but I think Navy can kind of keep it close here. Yeah, and I, like you said, uh, yeah, you, know, you, know what, you Navy, made a great Navy, you made a great point earlier about Notre Dame Navy right. play every single year. So Navy's not a team, not your typical um, smaller, independent, non-football power team that's going to come in and be in awe of Notre Dame. They, cause they play them every single year, so they're used to that, and they're not going to have that off factor at the beginning of the game. So I'm, I'm with you on that plus 24 there. Yeah, that's a great point, Charlie, about them not having that um, – them not being afraid of that off factor, you know. Navy plays everybody tough. I mean, there's a couple years ago um, when Ohio State won the national championship where um, – Navy played us tough in the first half where JT Barrett was a freshman. And, you know, you know they, they're, they're not scared of that moment. Um, their coach runs a really good program. Yeah, and he's, he's been there really for – this is his 10th or 11th season with Navy. So, uh, again, I'm hoping familiar foes, they can kind of keep it pretty close. But uh, we'll take the, the four possessions there. Again, three and two last week in college football. So, hopefully these five picks uh, can get us another win, winning week in the NCAA. All right, Mike, let's move on to the NFL. What do you got for us with the pros on Sunday? Yeah, NFL, like you guys said, a good week last week. Went 4-1. and one. Uh, Of course, helped us out in the Super Contest over here with me and my guys making those picks. Uh, the first pick for this week, we can just get it right out of the way. We're with our Patriots again. Uh, Super Contest closed at 13 and a half. Uh, it's currently at 14. But, I mean, the Patriots are heading one way and the Bills are heading the exact opposite, right? I mean, Peterman was so bad for them. The players demanded they started Derek Anderson. Uh, he threw for no touchdowns and three interceptions last week. So I think you kind of know what you're getting with both the teams here, and I'm very comfortable spotting the two touchdowns. I think the Patriots just absolutely bury him. 
Oh, yeah. You know, how can you not pick the Patriots in this one? I mean, the Bills have been absolutely terrible this year. I'm really surprised that they got a victory this year against the Vikings. And, you know, I, I think that game was yep. just the Vikings just not taking them very seriously because I legitimately thought that we were going to have another season with an 0-16 team. With yeah, the they were flirting Bills, with it for sure. Of, they co- are. of course, that game made no sense. Uh, but like you said, it's a trap game. The Vikings probably made thought they could just walk out of the tunnel and beat the Bills. And uh, Josh Allen kind of threw them off a little bit. But in this game, you know, the Pats are a little banged up. They're probably not going to have Sony Michelle or Gronk. Uh, but I really don't think it's going to matter at all. The Bills' offense is pretty pathetic. Uh, Kelvin Benjamin doesn't want to play for the team. Doesn't sound like LeSean McCoy wants to play for them either. Uh, so it's a Monday night game. It's in Buffalo, but I think the Patriots can easily get away with two touchdowns here. Yeah, and you were saying, you know, how you guys don't have – you won't have Sonny Michelle. You know, I don't – I. Yeah, I, I don't think it'll make that big of a difference, you know, not only considering that it's Buffalo, but just considering the fact that um, New England is uh, – New England's really good at just inserting players into their system and, you know, um, them taking off and being productive in that system. I think Kenyon Barner can be mm-hmm. pretty productive. I picked him up in fantasy this week. Um, so I'm hoping that he has a pretty decent game, maybe he scores a touchdown. Um, I think I definitely think um, that they'll have yeah, no trouble. I'm playing at all, as well, so let's hope for a good game out of Kenyon Barner. And uh, this is a typical game where a guy like him should get a, a lot of time, a lot of volume in this one playing Buffalo. But uh, yeah, we feel good with that pick. So hopefully that's a winner. That's on Monday night, the last game of the week. Uh, so we can move on and, and get a couple more winners on. Uh, I'm going to go down to Carolina. We got Carolina and the Ravens. So Ravens, Panthers down in Carolina. I do like the Ravens at this one, minus two. Uh, us and the guys took this as a consensus pick. Uh, Carolina's three at home this week, this year, sorry, coming off uh, a big that big comeback win against the Eagles last week. And, of course, the Ravens coming off that heartbreak loss with Justin Tucker's missed extra point at the end. So one coming off a high, one coming off a low, but I think the Ravens have a great bounce-back week here, and they cover the minus two points down in Carolina. Yeah, that Justin Tucker missed extra point was crazy. I mean, he's easily the most accurate kicker in the NFL right now. I wonder what the over-under was on him actually missing. Yeah, I wouldn't be taking no because going he, what, he, 222 out of 222. Uh, but a guy like him, I mean, all the people that are hating on him, he's won so many games. He's made so many big kicks for them. Uh, you know, everybody misses. Look at all how many bad kickers there are in the NFL. They should be happy, happy that they got him. Uh, of course, blew that one, but you know it, it's going to happen. Exactly, he's still the best kicker in the league, as far as I'm concerned. What's the um? Th- what's the thought process behind? Yeah, taking it makes a road favor? I mean, I mean, taking a road favorite in the NFL is pretty uh, risky business, if you will. I mean, outside unless you're taking like the the Pats or at the Bills, but like a road favorite of the Ravens coming down down to the Panthers. What's the thought process of that pick? Yeah, uh, you know, home dogs is usually a hot pick between uh, out there for a lot of people. They like the home dogs, of course. You're getting a team at home, getting points. Uh, you can get a nice money line on them. Um, last week, home dogs didn't do great at all, though. I'm sorry, I don't have the, the line right in front of me. But I know a lot of people are going to be on Carolina because of exactly that. They're the home dog. Uh, but then again, that makes me like Baltimore just that much more. Uh, you know, they have the number one defense in the NFL. They're first in yards and first in points as far as defense is concerned. And they're second and third down conversions uh, as well as passing yards on the defensive end. So 
they're one and two right there in, in those big categories on defense. I think Again, I think they have the big bounce-back game. Uh, and even Flacco, look at him. He's ninth in the NFL uh, in passing yards a game. He's getting 291 through the air. Uh, I think he can beat up on Carolina a little bit. They got some good receivers with John Brown and Willie Sneed in the addition there, uh, as well as their, their dual running backs. So, you know, I think the Ravens can get the two and a half here, but you made a good point. A lot of people do like the home underdogs. Um, but with that, we're rolling with the Ravens. All right. What's Yeah, and um, like you said, John Brown, has, he's been a really good receiver for them this year, been really good in fantasy. So, you know, um, I can definitely see him having a good game. Carolina doesn't really cover very well. You know, I'm, I'm a little surprised that they won last week, but um, I can definitely see uh, the Ravens coming out on top. You know, they're kind of the exact opposite of teams in this league, whereas the league is – Switching to more of an offensive approach, you know, um, they're the exact opposite. They're trying to beat you with defense and run game. Yeah, where everybody and you else know, people is trying love to beat watching you with the, the Rams pass. and the Chiefs and the Patriots play. It's awesome. It, you know, it's the new NFL, but watching the Ravens is pretty refreshing because they do play fantastic defense. Uh, they got a lot of good players, and you got to give up to John Harbaugh. He gets those guys going on defense. Um, so yeah, it is nice to watch them, and it is nice to root on a team that's that plays good defense and bet on them because. Uh, there's not a lot of teams out there that you're betting on that you're counting on a stop. Uh, more often than not, it feels like every team's scoring left and right. So uh, get behind the Ravens here in that number one defense. Yeah, and they're they're one of the most consistent um, defenses that you can um, stream in fantasy football too. I know I keep bringing that up here, but, you know, I'm a big fantasy advocate, you know. Um so it is, it's it's really nice and refreshing that you can um, look to a defense like the Ravens and just stick them in your lineup, yeah, and not no, have to sure. worry and, about uh, them. That division's you know kind of up in the air as well. So uh, the Ravens are a good pick for sure. Uh, we can move on to another good defense that I do like. Uh, this is Detroit at home. They're minus three against Seattle. Seattle coming into town. I mean, flip on a Seahawks game, and it feels like you just the first moment you're watching Russell Wilson run for his life. Uh, they have one of the worst O lines in the league. If they didn't have a mobile quarterback, they'd be giving up sacks left and right. Uh, and I think the Lions, this defense is going to come together. It took a couple games for the guys to get behind Patricia, but I think they're buying into it a little bit now. Um, and I think they'll get the guys ready to play against Seattle here. The Lions are, are kind of heading in the right direction here. They're trying to get back into the middle of this playoff race. Um, but I think a big part of the Lions that a lot of people don't think about when they think about the Lions is this new running game. Uh, on Johnson's been huge. He had 158 yards last game, um, had another big game against the Patriots earlier in the year, and then you got Blount down in the red zone. So, of course, everybody thinks about Stafford and all those weapons, um, but really it's their running game, I think, that's going to hold them through this one, uh, and that's come up big as for the Lions offense recently. Yeah, and you know what? With the change at head coach, I think that's what's been big for them this year is establishing that run game because, you know, they haven't really had much of a run game over the last few years. They've been struggling to find a running back. And it looks like they finally found it with on Johnson. Um, so, yeah, I can definitely see that. Um, but you were saying um, how Seattle's line is horrible. Yeah, their, their, their pass blocking is absolutely atrocious, but surprisingly their run blocking is actually really good. Um, Chris Carson – has had a pretty good year. He's had a few good games this year, so I could definitely see this game still being close just based off of that fact. Um, and Russell Wilson is a magician in the pocket, but I, I, I agree with the pick. I think the Lions take this one pretty easily. Matt Patricia, yeah, Matt Patricia uh, has you know, a team Russell rolling. Wilson can keep you in any game. He's a great quarterback. Uh, 
with his scrambling and what he's made that offense to be out of what he's been given around him, uh, you have to give a lot of credit to Russell Wilson. He is a, an exceptional player. Uh, but with that being said, again, on the Lions' side of the ball, um, with how good they're running, Seattle ranks 24th in the league in rush defense. Uh, not something you would think that Seattle would be that low in. Um, but this year they haven't been able to stop the run very well. So um, I think the Lions, with, with their two backs back there and, and Stafford airing out through the air, uh, Kenny Galladay has been having a really good year as well. So now they really have three outstanding receivers. Um, it is going to be a close game, I do believe, but I do believe the Lions can cover this minus three here. Yeah, and I don't, I don't think it can be overlooked, too. Um, I know I was saying uh, Chris Carson could probably have a pretty good run game, and Seattle's been doing good run blocking. But the Lions did just pick up Damon Snacks Harrison from the Giants, and that dude is a run stopper. So, you know, this, this could be um, – it could be hard for them to get anything going on the ground just with him there he is. The yeah, clogging that's the middle. Yeah, probably one of the best nicknames out there in the NFL. Um, but, yeah, that's a good addition, good addition for the Seahawks. They're going to need him, but um, – Again, I don't, I don't know if they'll have the offense to keep up with these guys. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens here. All right. With next that being pick, said, who's your next to pick? Oakland uh, Colts at Oakland. We're taking the Colts minus three in this one. Uh, again, kind of two teams that are heading the opposite direction. Colts beat up on the Bills last week. Of course, we know the Bills are probably the worst team in the league. Uh, but still, it's a, it's a feel good game. Get everybody, you know, doing well. The defense played really well. The offense did well everybody feeling good uh and of course the Raiders you can kind of flip that on the other side the Raiders are doing the exact opposite uh of course got rid of Mari Cooper this week a lot of people trying to turn on Gruden and and whatnot but he's totally checked out of this year you know he's his job's all about what's happening in the future uh I don't think he cares one bit about this season uh and the Raiders really honestly they should be 0-6 the only one they had was against your Browns where uh they got Browns got hosed they had that overtime first down with Carlos Hyde that was overturned and the Raiders win it. Um, but really the Raiders shouldn't have a win this year. They've lost two in a row. Uh, I really like the Colts going out to Oakland this weekend. You know, speaking of uh, the Browns getting hosed in that game, that wasn't the only call. The uh, the uh, blown whistle where the yes. um, where uh, Carr fumbled the ball. Um, and it was clear – it was the clearest fumble – but they blew the play dead for some reason. That took away a defensive touchdown there. So, you know, realistically, we might not have even been looking at overtime if that play didn't get overturned. Um, that being said, though, I think the Raiders are giving the Bills a run for the money for worst team in the league right now because, you know, they're, like you said, they're, they're just trading away players like crazy. You know, I'm, I'm not even sure if they're yeah, going to keep I mean, Derek kind of Carr like at this next. point. You know, nobody's safe on that team. Uh, and with the Colts, even though they are 2-5, and five, yeah, they haven't had a great year. But in that AFC South, you know, who knows how the game's going to end tonight. But if they can come away with a win here, get to three and five thereby, they're very much in it for that division uh, heading into the second half of the season. So I think the Colts will really be, be motivated. Uh, and one of the biggest things here, they call it the money down, right? On third down, Colts rank number one in the NFL in third down efficiency. So they're getting they're getting chains on third down better than any team right now. That would really come out surprise the best. But of course, that's huge. Yeah, you know, um, I'm not surprised about that either. You know, with uh, the Colts doing so well on third down, Andrew Luck is having a really good year. He's really alleviating all of the um, stress that people that Colts fans had coming into the season with uh, the issues with his shoulder and stuff like that. Um, 
Frank Reich seems like he's getting this offense really going. Um, you know, and the the Colts, you know, they had a really underrated draft. They they have a lot of young players that are producing right now. Um, and I was reading something on Twitter the other day where somebody was saying that this could go down as probably the Colts' best draft. So, you know, not only are they getting production from Andrew Luck, they're getting production from their young players, you know. That division yeah, is so very, very weak and it's very in winnable. It, we said, uh, and, yeah, they, the run games even improved a lot this year as well. Um, you, you said they had a great draft. They did. Um, so they, they've kind of built the team up a little bit around Luck. They've, they've improved. And, of course, it's been a down start to the year for them, but this is a great opportunity for them to get right back into it. Uh, and then get healthy over the bye week and, you know, kind of leave it up to the second half. Who knows what happens. But um, if they want to get back into it, this is a perfect opportunity. So I think they'll really be giving it their all. Uh, And I really, with that being said, I don't think the Raiders will be giving it their all by any means. All right. With that being said, who's your fourth pick? This is actually going to be the fifth pick here. No problem. We got the the Sunday night game, the big one. Uh, Of course, it's a rematch of the divisional round last year that was out of control. It's Saints at Vikings, Sunday night football. Uh, The Vikings are a little banged up. Of course, Dalvin Cook's placed on IR, so he's going to miss some time. It sounds like Xavier Rhodes and Anthony Barr could be out as well. Uh, But we're going with the Vikings in this one. I do like the home team. I like them with their crowd behind them. Uh, of course, even with Rhodes and Barr out for the Vikings, look at that Saints D. They're nothing to write home about either. Uh, so this could be a high-scoring game. It could be a shootout. Um, that being said, I do like the Vikings in this one. Yeah, um, Cook being out um, for a little bit, you know, is a little disconcerting just for that. But, you know, Latavius Murray has um, done has done more than just fill in for Dalvin Cook. He's been exceptional this year. You did. If you didn't handcuff Dalvin Cook with uh, Latavius Murray in fantasy, then you're probably looking pretty stupid right now. Um, with uh, the news uh, Dalvin Cook going onto the IR, you know, um, I definitely agree. But I, I honestly, um, I think the Saints um, are on a roll. Um, I would not be no, surprised not at all. The Saints are a really good team. Game. Of course, uh, Drew Brees been killing it. Michael Thomas having an incredible year. Uh, of course, Ingram and Kamara. Uh, are probably the best running back duo in the NFL. Uh, but then again, I mean, look at the Vikings. Nobody wants to put Adam Thielen in, in the uh, discussion with any of these guys, of course, and I get it. He's not Julio Jones or Michael Thomas or DeAndre Hopkins, but this game, if he gets 100 yards, it'll tie Calvin Johnson for the record uh, for most 100-yard games in a row with eight games. Uh, so you kind of got to give this guy some credit. Uh, he's been great. Uh, Kyle Rudolph has had a pretty good year. Stefan Diggs, of course, had a really good year. Um, but on the defensive side of the ball, I know we said the Vikings are missing some guys. But right now, as far as NFL rankings go, they are ranked number one in third down defense. Uh, so kind of get off the field. The noise is going to be a huge issue for the Saints uh, in that inside stadium in the dome. Um, so I really think uh, it is going to be a close one. It should be another great game and a high scoring game, like we said. But I do think the Vikings can get out of here with a W. Yeah, I, I think it'll be similar to the Vikings-Rams game earlier this year, but the with this time the Vikings coming out on top, just um, like you said, the Vikings rank really um, are pretty good on third down defense. You know, Mike Zimmer's a defensive head cut as a former defensive coordinator, so he's defensive minded. So, you know, he's got whether he's missing players or not, he's going to have that team ready to go. Um, and like you said, the Saints defense is nothing to write home about. I mean, 
their pass defense has been atrocious this year, which is surprising when you have a first-round pick like Marshawn Lattimore um, and then you have a, a second-round pick like Von Bell back there. You know, um, I think that's why they went and got Eli Apple this week. Um, I think he just needed a change of scenery. Oh, excuse me. Uh, but, you know, yeah, I, I, I definitely agree with you. I think the, I think this is – I agree it's going to be yeah, a high so. the Vikings let's come out on so. top. So those are our five NFL picks. Uh, again, four and one last week, so hopefully – uh, I, you know, we have another good week here. I can't guarantee it's going to go four and one every week, but we, we are going to get the winners and we are going to get them in. And hopefully out of these 10 games, we can uh, get a good winning percentage here. All right. Thanks, Mike. Um, some great picks this week. Yeah. Five in college, five on uh, the, in the pros on Sunday. So, and one on Monday. So we will tweet that out. We'll get that out for you. Um, once again, thanks. Mike doing his Thursday segment, giving you guys some winners. Follow Mike at Woke Up Winning um, and get the rest of his picks on Twitter. So, hey, Mike, always a pleasure to have you on. And thanks and look forward to talking to you next week. All right, guys. I appreciate it. I'm looking forward to it. At 88 Problems of Sports 81, want to give Mike a huge thank you for coming back on with us again. One of the best segments we do every week. To recap, Mike from at Woke Up Winning Picks, he has tomorrow night, Friday, BC plus three and a half at home. Penn State minus six and a half on Saturday. Wisconsin minus four and a half on Saturday. Texas minus three and a half. And Navy plus 24 and a half in college football on Saturday. On Sunday, he has the Pats minus 14. On Monday night, actually, the Pats minus 14. The Ravens minus two on Sunday. The Lions minus three on Sunday. The Colts minus three on Sunday, and the Vikings minus two and a half from the NFL. Remember, he went seven and three last week. Jump on these picks. Take them to the bank. Thanks again to Mike from At Woke Up Winning for jumping on with us this week. Join us on Sunday as we break down the Brownies at the Steelers. Huge game. Hoping they play well. Don't expect them to win, but hoping they play well. Join us on Sunday. Sunday.